We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC. Choose UPMC for your family's health care needs close to home. Visit UPMC.com slash Central PA for a complete list of services and locations. the founder of Your Story Finder Nonfiction Book Coaching and a founding board member of the Lancaster LGBTQ Plus Coalition. Her tiny love story, The Seed, which became her new book, The Only Way Through, is out, was published in the New York Times Modern Law Column. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm honored to have Suzette Mullen on the spark with us today. Hello, Suzette. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I, I want a little bit of your energy, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear that a lot. I, um, I, I enjoy doing this. I love uh, uh, speaking with people. I'm a naturally nosy person. Um, so I, I just look forward to speaking, speaking to folks and, and learning more about them. So uh, that, that's where the energy comes from. It's, it, it is pure excitement. Um, so um, for, for yourself, uh, what, what made you want to uh, write this book? Mm, that's a good question. And some days I wonder that. Um, <laughs> but in all, in, in all seriousness, um, I, I wrote The Only Way Through is Out, which is a memoir, um, first for myself to understand the past. I think that's very common for memoir writers. We have an experience that was profound and we use writing to unpack it and try to connect the dots in our in our past. So first it was for myself and as I wrote I became more and more convinced that I had a story that would matter to other people mm -hmm. um particularly uh people in the LGBTQ+ community and also really I wrote the book for every human who is longing to live more authentically, but maybe is afraid of the cost of, of making a change in their life. Now, um, um, for you and your life, what pivotal moment uh, prompted you to reevaluate your choices? Oh, boy. Well, to get to get the full story, you'll have to read the book, but <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you and the listeners a little a little bit of preview. Um, I was at midlife. Um, I have two sons and my younger son was just going off to college. I was married um, to a man at the time. We had a long term solid marriage and we were embarking on a new chapter, um, our emptiness chapter. And Spoiler alert, there were some surprises that emerged in that chapter. Um, I made the decision that I was ready to make a professional pivot. Um, I had been a lawyer in the previous life and a stay-at-home mom, a community volunteer, and a social justice advocate. And in this next empty next nest chapter, I decided to go all in with writing and mm. editing. And I began working on actually a different book. It was a memoir about my professional journey. And in the course of writing that first story, a different story emerged, um, a story that felt 
scary and dangerous. And in the book, I call it the unspeakable. Mm. And it was a story about um, a long-term, very intense friendship I had with a female friend. And through the writing process, I started to understand that relationship differently. And that's really what sets in motion the story um, that I tell in The Only Way Through is Out. So um, uh, how do you navigate the uh, tension between societal expectations um, and your own desires for authenticity? Oh, boy. Well, it wasn't easy. Let me put it that way. Mm. Um, I really, really struggled. Um, I... I first had to unpack, you know, decades of denial and try to understand why, how I had gotten to this place that I had gotten to um, at midlife and not fully owning my my sexual identity. And um, obviously, part of that it was societal expectations. Part of it was at the time I grew up in having no. Uh, role models. I mm. I went to high school in the seventies, and um, I know there were gay people in my high school and gay teachers, but there was no one who was out, um, mm. and it just wasn't really on my radar. Um, so there was first all the unpacking of of what had led me to this place, and then the the struggle to decide what, if anything, to do about it. Um, I I had a I had a very nice life. I was comfortable. I was I had a loving and kind husband. I had, you know, the cliche, but I pretty much had the American dream. Mm-hmm. And um I was I was someone who was raised to play it safe. Um I was risk averse. I was a rule follower, all of those things, which I think is part of what led me to where I was. And this kind of, you know, thunderbolt in the middle of my empty, the well, the start of my emptiness chapter really just threw me, um, it threw me into a really, really difficult situation. And so there was that question, first of all, what is really true for me? Then what do I do about it? And is it, do I have the right to disrupt and blow up, some people might say, other people's lives. And I wrestled with that. I really wanted to do the right thing. And it wasn't just I wasn't just going to be me that was impacted by the decision. Mm. Now, uh, now, in your book, um, um, can you discuss the significance of this um, internal conflict between playing it safe and embracing your true self? Yeah, well, I mean, I in the book, I um, I personify my inner voice and I call it the voice. And it's kind of this guiding, this guiding light, this guiding voice throughout throughout the book. And one of the things that I I came to understand is that the inner voice really is is your truth and it is leading you to um it doesn't tend to lead you to safe choices. Mm. Um, I don't want to make a blanket statement that it never does, but in my experience, um, the the voices that keep you in in your in in the known in the safety tend to be voices that are coming from a different place, coming from fear, 
And the inner voice that's really your truth is that voice that's leading you to yourself. But to get there um, requires requires courage. It requires risk-taking. It requires leaving a life that I, as I said before, that it was comfortable, that I knew that all the people in my life thought, you know, why would she possibly leave this life? And to make that leap into an unknown future, um, you know, really to make a life, a leap into a life that I'd only been living in my head. It was, it was a hard time. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so um, it, it, um, in your book, we, um, we, we visit and we revisit um, this fear. So uh, uh, what, what role does a fear play in your journey um, towards this self-discovery and acceptance? Yeah, fear fear was was very big um in in my life. I um which I don't think I even realized until I was was on this journey. Um I didn't want to I was afraid of disappointing mm. people. I was afraid of causing people pain. I was frankly terrified of making a mistake. Um this this decision to leave the life that I had established and built for 30 plus years wasn't, it wasn't obviously a decision that you take, you make lightly. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the kind of decision there was really no point of return. It was the proverbial jumping off the cliff. And um, so I was, I was terrified of making a mistake. And boy, this would have been a, I don't know if we can, I'll try to use clean language. Here. <laughs> it would have been quite a mistake. Let's just put it, let's just put it that way. And um, so there was, there was all of that. And, you know, to be honest, Marquise, in the, when I was wrestling with the decision of what to do once I understood my true sexual identity, I wasn't really afraid of you know, living in the world as an LGBTQ plus person, because I didn't really even know what that meant. Mm. Um, it, um, I, I did grow up and I was pretty much surrounded by, I grew up in a progressive family community, all of the things. So I wasn't dealing with overt homophobia or any of that. And so that wasn't, and that wasn't a fear in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, it was really, I was just ignorant. I really did not understand what it would be like to um, to step into that identity and live as a queer person in the world. Now, um, uh, you you mentioned that uh, you were a a risk averted type person uh, that you tried mm-hmm. to um, a- avoid risk. So, uh, what are some of the risks uh, you faced in pursuing uh, this life that aligns with your authentic self? Yeah, well, um, there were there, there were a lot. Um, I I. I risked losing friends. I mm. risked losing family members. Um, I risked losing my the identity that I had I had built up for my entire adult life. Um, I risked um, I risked some financial security. Um, mm. I I think the biggest risk was I really 
I had had a partner, my now ex-husband, since I was 22. And um, we married at 25. And my entire adult life, I had been in this partnership. And um, the part of the risk was losing the security of that partnership in mm. in all the in all the ways that it provided that security for me and stepping into a life as a single person um who hadn't really done single personhood since she was in her early 20s and doing that in your mid 50s is very very different mm. Suzette when does this come out it is is it's about to be born. Um, the official uh, release date is next Tuesday, February thirteenth. Although some people are starting to get their books already, um, <laughs> a a certain bookseller that starts with a capital A has been shipping out <laughs> books. <laughs> and and that that was going to be my next question. Uh, where can uh, folks po- purchase it? Uh, but uh, but if you it, well. Go on ahead, please. Yeah, I I will say, obviously, the book can be purchased anywhere. Um, and I am a big, big proponent and believer of supporting our independent bookstores. Mm. And so for anyone who's listening, please support your independent bookstores. The, um, the bookstore in Lancaster that is um, sponsoring my launch next week is Pocket Books. And oh, wow. um, I would love to... Um, send people to the Pocketbooks website. All right, all right. So, um, uh, let's get uh, back back to your um, memoir here. So, um, how does your story resonate with others uh, who may be struggling with their own identity and sense of belonging? Yeah. So that's of course, as a writer, that's that's what we that's what we hope to do. That's really why we write. We want to connect with readers. We want to impact readers and. One of the things that has been a great joy already from some of the advanced readers and then some of the people who got their copies very early, I've been getting messages from from people and just saying, you know, your story is my story. Mm. Um, I um, uh, my story is different and I connected with a lot in your story. I think that the um, there's there's a lot of universal experiences in my story that go well beyond the experience of somebody who may be questioning their sexuality later in life. I mean, clearly for those readers, there's a lot to connect with in my story. But for other readers, I think it is this, um, the, the universal theme of of the fear of leaving a safe, a com- comfortable life for something else, the fear of making a change, and but and the longing, the knowing that there's there's something else out there for them, and really, I think the battle of the voices inside our head. Um, that's a big part of what I share in the book, and we all have those voices in our head. And we ask ourselves, you know, which is the voice I should be listening to? Um, So I'm hearing from readers already that those are the types of things that they're connecting with in my story. And and for the person at home uh, that may be dealing with a similar situation or adjacent situation, um, what would you say to them right now? Yeah, so 
whatever your situation is that you're feeling stuck or in that messy middle or wrestling with, you know, do I stay or do I go? Do I go after whatever it is that you you're longing for in your life? I have, I have two, three pieces of advice. One is find your people. Um, Mm. This is not a journey to do on your own. Um, I speak in the, in the only way through is out about an online uh, support group of other other women who were questioning their sexuality um, later in life, and they really were a lifeline for me. So find your people, whether you find them online or in person, but don't try to do this journey alone. Mm. And the second part is listen, be still and listen to yourself. Um, You need other people for sure, but ultimately you need to listen to what's inside yourself. There will be lots of other voices telling you what to do and other people that will have lots of opinions. And at the end of the day, you are the only person who can answer this question for yourself. You're the only person who knows what's true for yourself. And the third little piece of advice I would give is that if possible, and if it feels appropriate for you, find a find a good therapist. Um, mm. I and and if you're if you're um, in a situation that like I was in, where I was wrestling with what to do about this revelation about my sexual identity, ideally find a, a therapist who is either queer or is absolutely a strong ally. Mm. Now, um, uh, s- some of the um, uh, experiences that you uh, highlight in in the book uh, uh, highlight the complexities of uh, love, uh, friendship, and and identity. Uh, how how do all of these tie in with one's identity? Yeah, well, I think that um, like all I, I can only speak to my experience, but I'm guessing that this is not uncommon. Mm. Um, women. Women very often have very intimate, intense friendships, and Mm. they can be straight women who have those very intimate, intense friendships. And um, I think that that part of my story was and part of the reason I was in so much denial as long as I was, is that there was there was an acceptability of of having an intense female friendship um that didn't necessarily mean that it was romantic or or sexual and so i think those there there the lines are very blurred um at least in my experience um and does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, indeed. Okay. Yes, indeed. I, I, I actually did not want to interject. Uh, um, I, I had another question, but I was, I was just going to let you go. Uh, but, um, but uh, let's, um, let me ask this: um, uh, What lessons can the readers learn from your journey about the importance of self, self acceptance, and and self love? Yeah. Well, I hope that ultimately my readers will learn. A, a number of things or will feel and experience a number of things. I hope that they will feel inspired and empowered to step into their own authenticity, whatever that looks like for them, um, that they will find the courage to act on what they're hearing inside themselves. And if they are 
if they are people of a certain age, um, I hope they will feel that my story will will give them hope that it really isn't too late for them. I mean, I, I firmly believe that it is never too late to live authentically. It's never too late to write a new story for yourself. It's never too late to live out loud. And I guess the final exclamation point I would put on this is there is a cost to authenticity. Mm. I mean, leaving leaving what you knew before unless it was a terrible situation which mine was not there there's there's a cost there's pain involved there's it, it is not a you know it's not just a a jump to the other side and everything is joyful but for me the message i want to share is that the cost is worth it and there is joy on the other side. There is joy on the other side of the struggle. There is a cost to authenticity. That put a cold chill, a good cold chill down my spine because that is that that is true. Um, Suzette, I, I have uh, one more question here before we um, uh, head out. In what ways uh, does your journey embody the universal quest for authenticity and fulfillment? Well, I mean, my particular context was coming to terms with my my sexual identity at midlife. But I think that what's clear to me is that we all we're we're all longing to be fully alive. We're all longing to feel as if we're living the life we were intended to live, um, whatever that looks like for us. And so for anyone who is feeling lost in their life um, and feeling that they aren't living fully, I hope that they will find some inspiration and encouragement and hope for my story. Suzette, I want to thank you for joining us on The Spark. This has been a honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Marquise.